Greetings, everyone, and welcome to WriteBrain, a podcast about writing and crowdfunded publishing. Welcome to WriteBrain, the writing podcast about ink shares and crowdfunding and writing and crowdsourcing and more writing. My name is J.F. Dubois, and I'm with my good friend Paul Inman, fellow inkshare author, publisher, writer of Ageless. Paul, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm a bit tired, which is why I'm stumbling through the intro. That's all right. I liked it. I enjoyed all of that. In fact, I can't wait to edit it so I can listen to it over and over and over again. So how's sounds uh, like hell? <laughs> how's um life engineered? Any any news on the life engineered front? No, except that I keep getting documents to revise. There's always a thing to do. It's. It's funny because when when the uh, the Nerdist contest finished, like some of the winners um, won, as winners <laughs> do, um, and they, they I, I basically jokingly said, "Congratulations, you just won a second job." And I everybody's like, "Ha ha, that it can't be that bad." It's it's not that bad. It's not really a second job, but you, I mean, it feels like it's never over, and it makes sense. I mean, the publication's date for Life Engineer is only March first. So that it's it's not like they want us to like put this dormant. It, it, the reason why it's so late is because there is work to be done. But uh, I don't know what stage of Ageless is at at this point. Well, um, we're uh, about to finalize the cover, which I, I noticed this past week. A lot of, of of the other Sword and Laser winners had finalized their cover and uh, made them made them public. So that was really mm-hmm. cool. Actually, they all look really good. I like them. Derek's oh. cover is has got a very unique look to it. I find that's a oh, yeah. Derek. Um, it's a glor- glorious Derek. Oh, what's his family name? Hey, the, the author behind uh, Astro- Asteroid. Yeah, Derek Adams. Uh, Adams. Whatever. Anyways, he, he wrote. A- the important right. thing <laughs> is is not his name. It's uh, is the name of his book, Asteroid Made of Dragons, which looks really cool. He's uh, he's got a new cover which looks. Pretty fantastic. It's it's got a very unique feel to it. It does. It's neat. I feel like it's um the all seeing eye. Mm. You know, it's got that dragon I, eye in the asteroid there. So it's fun. yeah, I, I I find it has this this kind of Melies and uh, mixed with some Terry Gilliam feel to it, which I enjoy. Yeah, it's really cool. And um the uh, authors Nick Scott and N- N- ah gosh, I can't remember the name. Nora, Nora, is that right? No, no, no. I don't What's know. the book? What's the book? It's um the um, multiverse theory, one. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I know. So, um, they, they got he, they got a new cover. Yeah, you should check it it's out. It's awesome, actually. Go ahead. So, so check you're out. you're. Uh, I will, I will. And but you're you're at the cover stage. What at what stage is the manuscript at? Uh, the manuscript is um in copy edit right now. I I haven't received my um my my feedback or or whatever it is. My um they haven't sent it to me. It's being copy edited, I guess I should say. But uh, we're um finalizing the interior. In fact, uh, on Friday, uh, which was just a few days ago for us, um, they sent me the what and is going to end up being the final interior design. So here's the thing, Paul. Uh oh. Probably won't Uh-oh. because because you're gonna review it and they're gonna look at it. then they're gonna do something called a pour and they're gonna send that to you to evaluate and then you're gonna send back comments 
and then they're going to send another one of those. It just keeps coming back. It's like well, playing ping pong with your book. With your book. Yeah. Well, that's kind of that's kind of a fun way to put it. Um, I uh, I mean, it's the interior design, so I would think that the fonts are going to stay the same and the uh, uh, chapter headings and all that kind of stuff, right? Or I mean, you would know better than me at this point. Did you change? No, a lot? no, I, it, it 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 doesn't change much. But here's here's the thing, right? First first of all, I, I'd like to point out that I appreciate the fact that they do this because it shows a level of care and perfectionism that you want for your own book. Like, oh yeah, you, definitely. I I want them to be as as loving with the product as I would be because it's. I mean, it's my book. I want it to come out looking as as good as possible. Now, here's the thing: since I have that approach towards my book. Whenever they send me something to review, I review it in detail. So it doesn't change much, but when they send it to me and say, hey, look for these things for possible errors or possible changes and adjustments, I go through it and I look for these things. So I, I've read Life Engineered so many times, which means that every time like anything that bothers me bothers me a bit more at every stage. So now I just want to rewrite it, but you know the but thing it, it, is, is I totally get that. After reading it a couple of times in a row, I'm like, ah, this little thing is okay. It's not going to bother me. But then it's like, every time I read it, I'm you. like, this sucks. I got to change this. This sucks. I got to change this. Um, but you know, ultimately, there are some things you've got to just you know let go. And I don't mean that in a bad way of like letting bad things sit in. I just mean like, uh, like. Kind of like sometimes people say, um, uh, creative people, movie makers and stuff, you know, these things are just get to a point where you just got to stop messing with it, unless you're George Lucas, apparently. So No, but you saw how, what, what kind of reaction that got. But yeah, <laughs> that's, that's, right. that's, where, that's where Life Engineered is at this point. And, and now we have also an update on Ageless where you're at. So one of the, the biggest challenges that I'm facing with Life Engineered, and this is going to sound so stupid, is... No, nothing that, stupid. <laughs> no. That's debatable. No stupid on this podcast. We don't do stupid here, right? All right. See you later, guys. <laughs> yeah. No. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. We will never return. <laughs> so the, it, it, what I mean by it, it's going to sound stupid is that what I'm looking at is obviously my, my release date that's on March 1st. I know yours is a bit later. And there's certain, certain tropes and certain things that I want to and I feel that I need to do for release date such as obviously I want to do more promotion. I'd like to drum up some pre-orders. I'd like to get some local interest and I'd like to have some kind of a launch party because apparently that's what you're supposed to do. And when I say yeah. I'd like, actually I, I would hate to have a launch party because I'm not good at these things. But again, it seems to be, seems to be what one does. Well, I think that, uh, you know, I, I mean, I, I can't wait for that part, actually, um, even though I don't like necessarily like going and hanging out with a bunch of people, especially if it ends up being people I don't know. It's it's kind of a, uncomfortable, but I, I'm, I'll be excited to get this out to everyone. That That's one thing I am looking forward to. So, Yeah, it's, I, I just I love hanging out with people and hanging out with friends and I don't mind meeting new people. I don't like being the focus of the event is what bothers me. I might just hire someone to pretend to be me. And That's have cool. them take care of it. Now, the, the the thing is, like, there's not that many people locally. I don't know how I'm going to get more than like five people in the same room to to do this thing. So, it's yeah, it's, 
you know, I, I shouldn't complain. It's like saying, oh, I don't know. I don't like this particular type of caviar. I mean, I'm, I've am i got a book coming out, and I get to to throw a party for, for the launch, and that, that is awesome. It's just, again, like it's just one more thing on top of it all. Yeah, so are you gonna are you gonna try to get like a local bookstore to like host you, or how are you gonna do it? I am looking at local bookstores. I've actually one of the things I tried to do, and this is uh, this is actually interesting, maybe to some of our listeners. Um, when I noticed that my book was available for pre order at places like uh, like Indigo Chapters, Barnes and Nobles, I contacted the the local uh, Indigo and asked them. Is there anything I can do in conjunction, like working with you guys, to help pre-sales? Mm-hmm. And they said, no. But if you'd like <laughs> to, if you'd like to do an event for the launch, you could host it here, and we would help out with that. Oh, that's cool. Now, it would be cool to do it there, but it would also might be cool to do it at an independent bookstore, just because it has that feel. Like, I mean. Inkshare is kind of small. I'm an aspiring author. Having that that local bookstore thing going on, and there, there's more of a chance that a local bookstore would sort of champion the book than right, Indigo. Right. So it's like, that's the thing. Like it's it's just a new, a brand new list of decisions that if you would have asked me six months ago, so JF, what do you think's on your to do list once you want to publish? I would never have thought of having these things in there. Uh, well, you know, that's a. I guess you know you you live and you learn. So. I mean, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, a smaller bookstore would be an awesome way to go. And, you know, I haven't yet got to that phase um, for myself, for Ageless, but I have actually kind of, in the back of my mind, been thinking, you know, we have a we have a Barnes & Noble here, which is fairly close to my house. And I'm like, hmm, I wonder if it would be better to go there because, you know, it's Barnes & Noble and people are like, hey, we understand, we know who they are. Or do I want to go to the the local local bookstore because, like you said, they'll they'll champion the book maybe a little more. Whereas Barnes and Noble would be probably be willing to host something, but as soon as that's over, they're probably like, okay, cool, we're just gonna put it your your couple of copies that we ordered on the shelf over here somewhere, and yeah. Whereas the local bookstore may champion, uh, may uh, you know push your book a little more, although. The local bookstore is not going to get the traffic of like a, a Barnes and Noble, you know. So exactly, it's 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 kind of like the, the, this give and take. Like you have to to decide which part's important to you. Because I mean, there's also there's a lot to be said about building a good relationship with a small bookstore that will remember you by name and talk to you to talk about you Definitely. to their 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 better their clients. But at the same time, building a strong relationship with the bigger bookstores so that the next time you have another book coming out, they'll remember you. There's, I mean, none, there's nothing to say that you can't build both relationships either. You're right. So, You're right. And these are the things I kind of suck at, this whole like networking businessy stuff. But on the other hand, it's not something that you can neglect. It's... It needs to be done, and that's the work part of writing, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't, I don't think it'll be bad. I'm actually kind of looking forward to to getting out once the book gets out. That's really, I'm like, that's on my sights. And uh, I know you said yours is early March. Mine's going to be early. Ageless is going to be early May, so a couple months after the Life Engineered, and I think somewhere in between there is the glorious Derek. Um, Asteroid Made of Dragons, I think April is what his book is, which I kind of think is funny. It's just like boom, 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 you know, 
yeah. one right after the yeah. other, I'm, which I'm, is great. Well, I'm, I, it's it's a good season for it. That's one of the things I had discussed once with, with Ink Shares is about like their their choices for release dates, and they said that they're very careful about making sure that things are released you know for like beach season is a concern for them making sure that they they don't release a, a horror book at the same day that say stephen king's putting something out so they're, well, they're very sense. careful about the uh the marketing so then have you guys d- jumped into marketing a lot not yet i mean they've asked me a few questions i'm really curious to see at what point we're going to 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 push to what kind of push is going to be made and and at, at, you know at what point we're going to look at actually setting up events and i i don't i'm not sure exactly what InkShares shares has in mind for that i don't know what budget they have in mind for that and i'm i'm very curious i want i want to see that because i'm i'm big into marketing i work in marketing i work in a, I'm a, as a brand specialist so marketing's kind of my thing a little Sales mm-hmm. is not. <laughs> so I'm curious to see what they're they're gonna do. Hopefully a lot. <laughs> That's actually really cool. Um I don't know about you, but something unique happened for Ageless this past week. We actually had a large um I had a large sale, if you wanna call it that, I guess, uh pre order from a um I guess a book supplier or bookstore or I'm not sure what it what it is. But if uh, if you're listening out there and you ordered this book, then I appreciate it because really it was a lot of orders. I think it was seven, 175 books that that was ordered. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That is you, a ton. Yeah, you, you couldn't see JF's face, but I could see it, and he was no, like, "No, I did Whoa. not get that on my side." <laughs> um, that which was crazy. I in fact, it was so crazy that I actually emailed Avalon and Matt and I said. Um, is this accurate or what is going on here? And they wrote me back and they said, absolutely accurate. Now, the, the only, the only uh, downside to that, and there, really there is no downside, but the only possible downside is that they have 90 days to uh, return, quote-unquote, if, if they want to. So we'll see what happens. I mean, that's, that's really a lot, and that actually pushed, pushed Ageless up over 1,000 pre-orders, which was really awesome, which was what I was hoping Congrats. to get before the book came out anyway. Oh, thanks. And uh, they said that, um, you know, they're going to keep working, keep working. And uh, really, it's, um, it's what they did, you know, over at InkShares. That's what's so awesome about InkShares because they want us to succeed because really, you know, they, they succeed if we succeed. Well, and yeah, vice exactly, versa. Exactly. And that's and I think that's what draws a line kind of between Ink Shares as a crowdfunded or like I, I'm I'm starting to lean more towards crowd voted publishing than uh say a, you know self publishing or vanity press because their their success is not just tied into getting as many authors to use their services as it is tied to the success of the actual books, which is right. a big deal. It is a really big deal, and the name of that company was uh, Baker and Taylor. Baker and Taylor Books, which I had never heard of them. But thank you, Baker and Taylor Books. You made my week. That was amazing. So um, today we have some interesting things to talk about. Yes, uh, but I guess that'll be the third segment. Although it's hard to tie it into our second segment, I guess. <laughs> Not necessarily difficult, but just. Um, it's kind of, we'll bring it up, I'll bring it up, and then we'll change, I guess, I don't know. 
uh, change gears later. So anyway, um, we usually, for our second segment, talk about some books. So this week, uh, what book do you, what book are you going to bring to the table, JF? This week, I was thinking, uh, since we've been going back and forth between science fiction and fantasy, and we technically would be back to, uh, to sci-fi, yeah. I decided to... Uh, to showcase uh, a book from someone who's been really active and really pleasant in our community of writers, which is uh, Kara Weston, A.C. Weston. Uh, her book, She is the End, not just because of her, but mostly because the book has an interesting premise. I, yeah, it does. It does. It, it does, yeah. One of the things that I am sort of kind of sick of reading about is books and movies that talk about the one all the the messiah stuff and the savior the harry potters the neos the the one who will bring balance to the what's not and it's, the anakin skywalkers you know. exactly there's <laughs> always and it's a trope that's annoying because i mean i understand it's marketing appeal because it really speaks to the reader and it says that oh you're just some some assistant accountant and you have a boring life but maybe you're a chosen one and maybe we're like it, it's it's a good way to project yourself into a character where all these exciting things could happen to you because you could be the mystery chosen one or whatever it's I, I find it a sort of cheap, overused tropes in, trope in sci-fi, especially in fantasy. And I'm always looking for the book that will sort of flip that on its head. And Kara's got this thing where the title says it. She is the end. The prophecy, the character that is the one, isn't the one that's going to save the world. She's the one that's supposed to end it. And... I don't know. That appeals to me because it goes contrary to, to, the, to the idea of having a savior, of someone being plucked from mediocrity to be a savior. This is the opposite. It's someone that is like the, the main character. Now, I'll read the, the short description. The main character is from is knowingly from a, uh, a, you know, a royal dynasty. And but there is the, the 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 point is the opposite. Instead of being someone obscure with a glorious destiny, it's someone glorious with a a dark destiny, probably. And basically, the the, the story is about how that's all you know told. I'll just I'll just read the uh, the, the basic description here, the synopsis. Okay. Really, Aidor is not a princess anymore. She ditched the throne a planet, and a galactic coalition for a quiet life on Earth when her father showed her just how worthless he thought she was. Now, five years later, she wakes, she wakes with her father dead and a bounty on her head. She'll, ne she'll need a lot of help to get home and take back her crown from the tyrants who kidnapped her and started killing in her name. She's not a princess, but she could be a queen. Milo might be called a terrorist now, but if he overthrows Relay, he'll get to pick her, his own title, and his people will finally be free. But when he tracks down his tyrant queen and ends up springing her from captivity instead, they begin a tense journey from Earth to their home planet of Arden to cut down the true villains. They won't make it far without the help of a spoiled teenage soldier, a beleaguered tech genius, 
and a bartender who definitely only, only tagged along for the fun of it. No other reason. None at all. <laughs> now they just need to catch a ride off planet. <laughs> so it looks like it's got a very diverse cast of character, a very, uh, should I say, Whedon-esque uh, ensemble cast. Very like ragtag thing yeah. going on. Oh, yeah, and I feel that too. Definitely an underdog story. Mm-hmm. And all these things appeal to me. So it, it looks like a fun ride. And if, if you listen to the video, you can see that Kara really has a playful way about how she does things. And when you read the first chapter or any of the sample chapters, you can see that, first of all, she's a talented writer. She's obviously honed her craft to a certain degree. But also that the, the sort of creative playfulness um, ties in very well with uh, like it, it translates into her writing. Yeah, um, I, I totally agree. Um, she's very talented, and she's—I I always find her to be very fun. Like, um, we all kind of follow each other on Twitter, and uh, she's really funny, and she says a lot of funny things um, on Twitter occasionally. Like, um, today is actually John Robin's birthday, which she pointed out to all of us. Um, I don't know if you saw that or not earlier. I did. But I did. Yeah, so happy birthday, John Robin. That if you don't know what day we're recording, then today is your birthday, so you can figure it out. So um, anyway, uh, and if you yeah, can't but, seek help, exactly. And uh, she's she's just you know really cool and laid back, and she's really like um, supportive, which is a, a thing that's kind of some of the writers. Um, well, you know, most everybody's been pretty good, but there are a few people who don't seem to like really want to be on the same team you, you know what i'm saying like they're a little bit uh well, there they're, yeah there's a lot of people like the, the the whole idea of being a writer is being like the solitary thing and yeah. not necessarily participating in the community and i mean there's there's nothing wrong with that but no, there's there's there's, there's everything to win from actually being part of the community so on on that end, that also works. And Kara is definitely one of these people that has jumped both feet into the idea of the community. She's yes. the one who orchestrated the, the coloring book during the, con- the contest. Um, right now, she's working on another project, which is this kind of review party. Yeah, which, uh, I don't, is, I don't, which will be cool, I think. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how she was recruiting people to help her organize it earlier. I think she sent a newsletter out today about that. Yep, yep. So she she's definitely someone who's everyone's friend in the community, very encouraging, supportive of everyone, and very active. Doesn't just wait for things to happen, but makes things happen, which is at the stage of which we are in our career is what you want to be, and it's the people you want to know. You want to be, you don't want to be static, you want to be dynamic, you want to be this moving target. And she is totally all of those things, you know, she's very dynamic and she's very like you know on the on the forefront of the community definitely but even um even here at uh on her ink shares page like like you said like her video is just really fun and playful and her her actual page because we talked about you know your pre-campaign stuff last week what you want your page to probably look like or possibly look like just so you know to benefit you she's got everything you know she's got uh, artwork that she has made herself, you know, and um, they and, she, and she's a talented artist too. Yeah, she's really been showcasing a, a few of her things on the uh, on on Twitter and in her updates, and she's really good. 
Yeah, and you know, it's all it's diverse too. Like, there's not just one style of art here, which I find that kind of neat. Like, she's um, in, playing in different uh, different types of. Uh, well, I'm not necessarily sure that these are all from her, but a lot of them are. I'm um, sorry, I was just looking because I saw the the the. Um, Ah, oh, the painting of who, which character is it? Milo is actually from someone else, but that's, it's still very cool. Very cool that she's got all this stuff on there for you to see. And again, this is a top-notch uh, crowdfunding page, and, you know, I, I really hope she's successful. Uh, at this point, with the new platform, um, she definitely is getting at least some sort of um, publication, so... Well, she, she's definitely getting the, uh, the 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 small package with the being put in what what's now being called the Quill Collection. We'll talk about that a bit more later. Uh, she's got currently. I'm looking at it. She's got 359 orders. I want her to get to 750 because I want her to get the full ride. I Me think too. she could definitely benefit from it. I don't know if we have any listeners who haven't checked out her book. She is the end. But if you have it, you should totally you should totally have a look at it because it's one of those books. I think is not. Uh, it's it, it's jar breaking in the sense that it does not it it takes some of the standard tropes and sort of it looks like it's going to be skillfully breaking them and reassembling them into a new package and i i like reading something that i don't feel i've read before this is why this appeals to me and you know um this one is just just for you miss weston um tonight for dinner my wife and i had tacos and they were amazing if you don't know what I'm talking about, then that's okay, listeners. She knows. She knows what I'm talking about. So, anyway, um, yeah, definitely check it out because She is the End needs to seriously hit this 750 mark. And at 359, she's really, you know, done really well. And uh, let's see, her campaign has, uh, from today, has 50 days left, five zero days. And um, that's plenty of time to get the rest of these orders in. And she's really pushing hard, and she still updates weekly, uh, at least weekly, once a week, definitely once, sometimes more, but um, that's more than I'm doing at this point, honestly. <laughs> um, for Ageless or for Motor City Chronicles, I just am so behind in everything. Not behind, necessarily, just so busy. I don't, I don't have a lot of time to give Big Giant updates too much at the current stage. Although, um, this is definitely off the subject, but I got a review this morning at uh, about 5.30 in the morning. Um, actually, it was a bunch of different things, and it was really not very nice. Kind of hurt my feelings. But, you know, you never want to wake up to something that was not, uh, that's not good. It wasn't terrible, but the person uh, did not like how I chose to word my stuff. Let's see. Uh, he said something along the lines of, the writer must have started liking his own voice too much. And I was like, hmm, okay. Well, at some point we'll have to tackle the subject of negative reviews because the thing is, and there's there's many ways to approach reviews and whether or not, like, I've, I've been told never read your reviews, never read your I've negative been, reviews. And it's, how can I say? The thing is, there will be negative reviews. You can't, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm going to cut this short because I don't want us to get into a subject that oh, is yeah, worth no, no. really exploring. But yeah, negative reviews will happen. We'll talk about them uh, on a further episode. Maybe on the next episode. It shouldn't. It, it maybe it's a it's a good time to tackle that. Yeah, that's a good topic. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll put that on the next episode. But anyway, uh, I just uh, I, I got my brain started going to the side there for a second. 
But anyway, let's come back to what we're doing. Check out She is the End if you have not. And um, if 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 you feel so inclined, look look her up on Twitter and follow her because she's a just an all-around awesome type of person. And, you know, she's a lot of fun. So uh, the book that I have chosen for this week yes, is— Yes, tell me about that book. I bought it—, it kind of sight unseen <laughs> but i haven't really checked out anything about it i just went oh that looks fun and yes and you by. know i i totally did the same thing here and uh so i don't remember a whole lot myself but i chose this particular book because it is the first official selection in the quill um collection so i figured since that was our topic this week that you know uh why not jump on this first book. Um, the book is actually titled Monkey Business. It is by Landon Crutcher. Um, so Monkey Business, if you don't know um, anything about it, is, uh, according to it, um, the uh, campaign page here, it is an adventure book, which is outside of our sci-fi and um, fantasy realm. Although, you know, as we do this, we will eventually have to branch out from sci-fi and fantasy Um Assuming that, you know, we don't, the people, assuming that there's not a giant influx of those, again, like another contest, for example, which there could very well be in the future, who knows. But anyway, um, eventually we're going to have to branch out a little bit, I think. But I wanted to take this one on because, like I said, it is the official first selection in the Quill collection. Um, so that what that means is that it hit its light funding publishing goal, which I guess now they're not, no longer using the term light funding, just quill uh, quill goal, I think is what it said on Kara, uh, on Kara's page, right? Quill goal, I think. Yes. Uh, I don't have it open anymore. Uh, yeah, so it reached the goal um, at the end at the end of its um, campaign, which it barely reached because 250 is the quill, um, the uh, cutoff, I guess, or the, I guess, the um, new goal. And it, it uh, is in production now with 255 uh, pre-orders. So let's tell you a little bit about it So, in case you want to pre-order it. So I'll just read right from the, the page here. Uh, let's see. It says, um, Monkey Business is the tale of two men stranded on a tropical island trying to find their way home. It's a comedic adventure. It's fast-paced heavy on the action with amusing dialogue and ever-increasing absurdity until it reaches a pretty fulfilling climax. If you're a fan of Douglas Adams, Terry Pratchett, or Christopher Moore, I think you might enjoy it. It's a quick read. Why not give it a shot? And then it says, it goes on to say, if you want to know um, more about the story, Ron and Willie have gotten themselves stranded on a tropical island and they really want to go home. During their adventures, they encounter a whole bunch of talking monkeys, one surprisingly friendly human skull, a village full of native islanders, and an honest-to-goodness demigod with 36 Panasonic television sets, a serious caffeine addiction, and a penchant for throwing lightning bolts around. There's adventure, comedy, confusion, absurdity, love, and creative utilization of explosive wildlife. Honestly, what more could you want from a book? So I'll be honest. I mean, that's that's almost his entire uh, it's almost his entire campaign page. To be honest, there's only a little bit more about following on Facebook, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's this video. And uh, by the way, when I pre-ordered it, I read that that whole thing I just read to you out loud, and I was like, "This sounds awesome," because I really am a fan of of Douglas Adams, and I've read uh, pretty much all of the. Um, uh, oh my God, I'm blanking the uh, Hitchhiker's Guide series. Um, mm -hmm. 
and I really in, enjoyed uh, Douglas Adams. So I was like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that I'm I'm also a, a huge Douglas Adams fan, but I'm going to confess, and this is gonna make people angry, I'm not a huge fan of Terry Pratchett. Hmm. I, I, I mean, I, I recognize the skill where it is. It's not Terry Pratchett or his writing that I don't like. It's the, 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 the level of whimsy goes above my tolerance levels. <laughs> yeah. So okay, while I, I, I respect the man for what he did and accomplished, I have a very hard time reading Pratchett. But from what I, I've been, like, while you were talking, I was scanning the, uh, the first paragraph, that, well, the, the sample for Monkey Business, and yeah. I, I, I think it's... It seems to be about on the level I can uh, I can enjoy, which is good because I have a copy coming. So yeah, I have a copy too, actually. So um, I don't know what I was saying. Oh yes, uh, so I just read the basic description there, and I was like, yes, I I could get on board with this because you know I lo- I love funny stuff. I mean, even though as I look as I re as I read and I reread and I reread Ageless, I realize that I love funny stuff, but I didn't write anything that is. <laughs> overly like humorous i'm like man this is this book is kind of heavy but i mean hey you know it is what it is um uh there is a little bit of funny things in there don't don't get me wrong there's a little bit of humor it's a little bit uh just a little bit though it's just like a sprinkle um uh so i'm like yeah i think this would be a lot of fun to read so i read through uh part one uh mostly i don't i'm not sure if i ever finished it or not but it seemed pretty 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 comical and i was like yeah this is pretty funny I could get on board with this, and um, I just think that it is going to be a really solid, um, f- like, uh, debut book for the coll- the Quill Collection. I think that uh, um, Landon Crutcher is going to be a good, like, a good start, I guess, you know, like a good kickoff for the book, I mean, for the collection, and um, if you have not pre-ordered Go over and check out this video because this video is really kind of hilarious. Um, I don't think I watched it. It's 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 yeah, it's indescribable. <laughs> the, the video. I, I don't want to give anything away, but it you, it it's forty five seconds and worth every every one of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. And uh, it's it's it's. I mean, it, <laughs> I didn't watch the video. Apparently, I don't know why. I don't remember, but I didn't watch the video when I first came over and and pre ordered. But. Um, it is really pretty funny, and if you enjoy puppets, then you might like this video, I guess. Uh, anyway, check it out. Like like JF said, it's like 45 seconds, and it's not, it's, it's you know, something that you need to experience more than just hear us, like, ramble on about it. Uh, but, um, so there's some really pretty, pretty good reviews, too, over here, and, uh, well, one one of the things that was interesting to me is that right now there is kind of this, and, and I'm not saying this to put any anyone down because I know it's it's a popular genre, but it's it's something that doesn't resonate quite as much with me as it used to. Is a lot of satirical fiction, like science fiction, but funny science fiction, or you know, parodying uh, the, the 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 you know certain sci-fi tropes like. Uh, like some Star Trek stuff, and I mean, and it translates super well in things like the movie Galaxy Quest, and there's been some good books about Great this kind movie. of stuff. But what what I think is interesting, and I'm really warming up to the idea that you picked Monkey Business, and not that I was cold on it, but now I'm kind of getting excited about it, is that it's, 
we've had a lot of focus, you and I, on sci-fi fantasy yeah. because of the, the, the Sword and Laser contest, the, the Nerdist contest. Both of these were sci-fi fantasy and attracted sci-fi fantasy writers. And what's in our writers, ink, uh, our ink shares writers community is mostly sci-fi fantasy writers and some a bit of horror here and there. So having a straight-up adventure book that is not satire, but just upfront about how it's being like it's supposed to be funny it's supposed to be a comedy it's really refreshing it's a change of pace that i'm kind of i'm i didn't expect it to appreciate it as much but i'm considering the volume of sci-fi fantasy i've been reading and writing and dealing with because right right now i'm i'm writing a a, a steampunk adventure novel i'll get to uh, i'll get to that at the end and I find that the change of pace for the writing has been refreshing and and very good for me. And now the idea, like the idea of reading something of that genre, well, not not the steampunk, but something of uh, that that's not sci-fi and fantasy, is really appealing. Right, and it's kind of like a, a breath of fresh air, you know. You, we, we um, it's I don't know about you, but I, well, like you said, I, I kind of like, you know, immerse myself in the sci-fi or fantasy genre because that's what I really like. I mean, I like I like everything, but I mean, that's what I I really tend to gravitate toward that kind of stuff because I find it interesting. But you're right, it's like a, a breath of fresh air when you have something that's just a little bit, you know, outside of the box that, you know, I've been uh, that me for me at least I have been kind of living in for a while because uh, well, obviously because of the con- the ink shares, I mean, the um publishing that I'm going through plus the fact that uh, what I what I normally buy and have on my shelf is mostly sci-fi or fantasy, um, with with some horror because I really I, I guess I I really kind of do enjoy Stephen King although like we said before I can't really box him in with horror but a lot of people do but um, I, I I it's just refreshing I mean just like you said it's something something different and you know I'm thinking that maybe we should step outside of this box a little more often maybe. Well, I, I usually I tend to read a lot of nonfiction. Yeah. When when I read books, so it's some of it's very entertaining, like Mary Roach's books, but some of it's also very dry. That's that's what I don't. That's what I'm saying. I'm just I'm just, I'm looking forward to something that's not the genre I'm used to write in, and is compl- it and is not what I'm used to reading either. So it's. I mean, yeah, it's 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 just refreshing. It's just uh, and and the fact that it's not like doesn't seem to be that kind of pseudo mean spirited. Oh, here's a trope I'm twisting. Kind of humor also is it's also very different. I'm 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 looking forward to it. I have great hopes for it. So, um, Landon, don't disappoint me. <laughs> yes, uh, I I I second that. Don't don't be disappointing. Which <laughs> you know I I don't think you will. Be. No pressure. None. Zero. So you, Zero percent. So you want to talk? You talk, want to talk, talk about Quill? Yeah, definitely. We, we've referred to it a lot, but there's a lot of clarifications to be done. Yes, definitely. Because di- di- this, when this got announced properly, we received an email that actually laid out what Quill was and what Quill was supposed to be, and how it compares to normal ink shares and model. And as I was reading through it, it dawned on me that this is this is actually a big deal. It's a really big deal. I, I really, I really think it's a huge deal. Um, and the the thing that really that really like got me is when they uh, put up their table and compare. They had a table in the email that they sent out and compared 
the full InkShares publishing deal versus the Quill publishing deal. Because um, while Quill is definitely the uh, first tier, if you want to put it that way. Well, let's, let's, I mean, okay, let's, let's not mince word. The thing is Quill is the quote unquote low end publishing is for people that haven't reached the more lofty goal of the 750, uh, as we discussed, I think two episodes ago to get the full run publishing. And you know, they're calling it light publishing. That's what their actual, uh, I'm looking at their exactly. email and, right now. And, it says they they call it light. And that's, that's probably the, the, the more the more polite more realistic way of looking at it it's light publishing that says that it doesn't go as in depth as normal publishing however it doesn't make it any less exciting in how it fills a particular niche in the market that i think is super important but let, let's go through like some of the, the points that we have in okay. the email one of the first things that they mention is that you don't necessarily this isn't something that you sign up for when you start your book your book campaign you start your book campaign as any book campaign is just that once the the, the 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 campaign ends, if you've reached 250 copies pre or pre-orders, they basically give you the option. They tell you, do you want to be on the Squill collection? And I think it's important to specify this is an actual bona fide collection. It's it's if you go on the Inkshares uh, Inkshares webpage and you click on collections, you'll see the Nerdist collection, you'll see the Sword and Laser collection, and you'll see a couple of other collections that aren't the, the genres that we we usually talk about. But one of them is the Quill collection, so it's got its own imprint, it's got its own sort of uh, reef or stamp on the cover to specify that it is part of that right. collection. Which, even though it's the light publishing option. It still gives it, in a way, it re-elevates it as it gives it sort of a cachet. Um, kind of in a, the same way you'll see certain certain, um, c- c- certain uh, publishing companies will specify on a cover first-time author as and make a big deal of how it's actually a cool thing that sometimes someone is a first-time yeah. author. And this is kind of Inkshare's equivalent of that. Uh, yeah, you know, it, it's really kind of cool, actually, because like like you were saying, you start your funding, your campaign, uh, just like any other campaign. And, and, you know, most, I would think everyone would be pushing for that full um, Inkshare's publishing um, of 750, of 750 pre-orders. But the cool thing is, is like, let's say you're somewhere like um, She Is The End, and you're at 359 or whatever it was, Um when your campaign ends, you, they're going to ask you. You know, they're going to. It's like an opt-in collection. Like it's going to be your choice. Like, do you want to publish in our um, light publishing collection, Quill? And uh, you basically, you actually have to accept, which is kind of cool because if you don't want to do that, you know, you don't have to. Although I wouldn't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't know why you wouldn't want to. Uh, I I guess I I can go. I can go into. Oh yeah, it. do it. Because the, 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 there's there's several reasons like. If you're a first-time author, in my opinion, you would be crazy not to want to go with Quill. Uh, the one of the things I find very exciting about Quill is that it fills in this this part, this this role, this kind of bracket where a first-time author needs to build. Um, like a, a good example, you and I did not reach a thousand pre-orders no, no, we when we did the Sword and Laser contest. In fact, I don't. No one did in the Sword and Laser nope, contest. None of us. I think the closest um, one I think was uh, eight eight hundred, right over eight hundred, or something along those lines. Something like that. And 
all of us really campaigned hard for yeah. that. Now, the thing is, to get when you're a first-time author, you have a very limited circle. You have very limited reach. You're not you're not someone who normally sh- would have a huge following. Otherwise, you wouldn't have any problems getting a book deal. You would pr- you might not even need any crowdfunding. So getting 750 pre-orders or 1,000 pre-orders is difficult because most of us don't have the resume. We don't have the portfolio to say, look, I'm, say, J.F. Dubot, author of this and this and this, and I write in this genre. Would you like to pre-order my next book? It does – we don't, we don't even have that clout. It's – most of us is, hi, I'm some dork that does stuff <laughs> – I really like to write. Do you want to give me money for my book? It's very hard to get people to sign up for that, except for like friends and families and like the occasional people who just like to encourage new artists. So that leaves very few options for the aspiring author. You can keep trying to get into legitimate presses, like well, legitimate, that's not the right word, traditional presses, small presses, by sending uh, applications and query letters and getting rejection after rejection after rejection. Or you can do go to the, the, the self-publishing or vanity press route, all in order to sort of build a portfolio, build some credibility and build a, a fan base and a following that you can capitalize on once you do try crowdfunding. However, the bracket that Inkshares fills with the Quill collection is it allows someone without going through self-publishing to get that portfolio started, to get that first book or two published legitimately under an actual publisher, get some distribution and get you know start doing some of the, the, the editing experience. Although it's not the full editing experience, it's still some of it. So that you, the next time you try to crowdfund a book, you can say, I wrote this thing. It sold that many copies. You can get a copy at, on Amazon. You can get a copy through Inkshares. And then the second book will go better because you have that background and you can build upon it. It basically gives you the tools and materials to lay that first brick in the foundations of your career as an author without having to do the self-publishing thing, without having to do the vanity press thing, or without being... Without being uh, constantly rejected by traditional publishers, because although getting rejected by traditional publishers is a way to sort of quote unquote pay your dues, it's not a good learning experience because all it is is accumulating rejection letters. Meanwhile, actually putting something out there will get you feedback. It'll get you reviews. It gets you interaction with editors, interaction with readers. It's a much better learning experience than just you know getting the letters that say no. And to me, this is – it's monumental because it's, it's super important to give that, 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 that step that was missing in the, 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 in, in the, the publishing industry. And, you know, you're absolutely right. Like you said, it fills that niche um, where uh, you have this, you know, this giant leap. Well, not, maybe not giant, but you have, you know, like you were saying, uh, the traditional publish- publishers, you know, going through that process of um, query letters and trying to get someone to maybe pick up your book um, and 
publish it is really a difficult thing, really a difficult thing. If you've never done that, if you're listening, you've never tried to do that. It is a very difficult process. Like, um, and it can be, it can be damaging to, you know, your psyche, you know, for lack of a better word, if you continuously are getting rejected, 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 you start thinking, well, maybe this sucks, you know, maybe this isn't very good. And uh, this Part of the problem with getting reject, rejection letters is that more often than not, rejection letters will not tell you what you did wrong. Or if they right. tell you what you did wrong, they'll tell you what you did wrong in, say, the submission process. Oh, your your cover letter is unclear or you forgot this piece of information or your document isn't double spaced like we requested. But it doesn't tell you as a writer what you're doing wrong. Right. And that and it's, is not it's, constructive. No, it's not, and it can be crushing. Is is what I'm is what Absolutely. I was getting it be- to. Becomes yeah. easy to want to quit. That's right. It becomes easy to want to quit, and and this fills that that kind of gap for those first time authors, uh, like I am, like I am still. Um, you know, uh, I mean, if this was an option when the contest was going on, I totally, totally would have fallen into this option most likely, um, because I didn't even. I don't think I got. I maybe have I maybe got just over seven fifty, but if I did, it really really wasn't by much, honestly. Um, so uh, I would, and that was only because it was a contest, and I was every day out there just like begging, begging, please, please, come on, you know, purchase, you know, stuff like that. I mean, that's what you really, that's what I mean. I'm sure that's what you uh, resorted to at least that one point, right? Oh, um, absolutely. absolutely. So. If it wasn't the contest, you know, I, I may not have pushed as hard because, you know, I had a hard and fast uh, deadline and I, I saw that it was, uh, we, I was beginning to pick up some, you know, some ground uh, there near the end because I, I actually came on kind of strong in the last week or so. Um, but anyway. Uh, so let's let's have a quick look at what is actually included in the, uh, just, just a look at the chart to compare what the Quill collection offers compared to normal ink shares. And I think that's also interesting because it'll give the listeners who don't necessarily understand, because we, we don't always get that sort of bullet list of what the ink share services are once you get published. I shouldn't call them services because it's, it, it's not something that you're, it's not a service that you're buying. It's just, it's what they do. So, yeah, what they offer, yeah. In the in the editorial section, Inkshares offers developmental edits that Quill doesn't do. So basically, they, they're not necessarily going to review the um, I would say the flow of your story. They kind of leave that up to you to uh, to be able to to fix that. They do offer copy editing, which is super important, also as well as proofreading. So obviously, they they still care that the the the, the end product is good that comes out is legible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They would, um. Yes, oh, go, go ahead. On. I was just gonna pick up where you left off. Um. So the Ink Shares, the Ink Shares Publishing, the 750. Uh, it, they're gonna do the back cover copy for you. They're gonna create that for you, but not with the quill. Um. Which uh. Which I guess is okay, but uh, again, I mean, obviously the uh, 750 is the one you want to shoot for. Um. With the quill being the uh kind of almost the safety net if you want to think of it that way um they'll also in the editorial process they are will give you a dedicated production editor in the um, ink shares um tier um rather than the and they won't in the quill now which one, is, one, one thing i want to point out like this this is kind of like the 
in my opinion, uh, along with the developmental edit, this this is the quote unquote weak point of publishing with Quill. Uh, my I don't know about you, but my relationship with my de- my uh, production editor has been invaluable to me in the learning process of how to publish a book. Uh, yeah, I, I absolutely. I don't know who your production um, editor is, but mine is. Her name is Devin. And uh, she's fantastic, and she has been amazing. Like I said earlier in the podcast, we were trying to finalize the cover, and I'll be honest, like, she was uh, initially like, okay, we want to do two or three passes here. If we can keep it to that, that would be awesome. And I'm telling you, we're probably, I mean, we're probably on like seven or eight, and I'm just like, it looks awesome, but there's, I just, this little thing here and this little thing there and then this little thing. And it's just gone back and forth, back and forth. And I, I finally like emailed her today and I was like, listen, thank you for putting up with me. I, I mean, I know that you could just be like, okay, that's it. This is it. That's done. We're done. You know, but you know, they've been, she's been so awesome about that. You know? So the reason I want to point out that these things are, it's, it's, unfortunate but understandable that they're not in the uh in, in the quill collection is part of it is to encourage people to still push for the 750 because i mean like you say most people will want to push for 750 but knowing that you have a safety net sometimes can make you a bit gun shy about yeah pushing definitely. But considering how important developmental edits for story flow and story quality and narrative is important and how much – like I've worked with two, uh, two uh, production editors so far. I used to uh, work with Holly McGuire from uh, Girl Friday, but she, uh, she, she went on to – she was getting too much work on her, uh, on her own that she had to, 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 to stop uh, working for, for Girl Friday. And now I'm working with Bethany, who, and both of them are, are crucial to, to the proper coordination of, of everything. So if there's a carrot that you want to have hanging in front of your face to drive you and motivate you to go for 750, these are the two elements that you should look for. Back cover copy creation, that's, for, for those who don't know, that's the, uh, the, the promotional text that goes in the back of a book. Really useful to have someone else write that for you because they get a point of view that you as an author don't. But absolutely, by the way, that's yeah. absolutely the perfect way to put it too. They get it. They, they like see it better than the author because I guess for me, I'm just too close to it, you know. And I mean, I wrote something and they completely ran with the ideas, but they made it where it wasn't so all over the place maybe is a good way to put it for me at least i mean no it's the same thing for me basically they they they, they look at it from a, a point of view because you know all the secrets you don't yeah they know better than you do what's going to attract someone who's never read the book into reading the book because well yeah, honestly you've read it more than anybody else so you're not getting that but push comes to shove you can you know you can ask a friend you can write it yourself you can figure it out it's it's you can you can live without someone else writing that for you, but the two other things, those are the things that you're looking for. And and you know, I'll be honest, like if you push through to that seven fifty, those are really important things. And you know, I can I can say that one one reason obvious and one obvious reason is financially. I mean, you gotta pay someone to do the developmental edit. You've gotta pay for the production editor and you've got you know, with the quill goal being two fifty, you're not bringing in the the type of money that would, co- would need, be needed to cover that, you know? 
Does no, and, and the, the, you'll, you'll see, like, in the, in the rest of the points that we're eventually going to hit, it's the same thing. Like, the, the reason that you're not getting the full service is obviously because you don't have the pre-orders and you don't have the pre-orders. It doesn't give the same cash flow so that they can't invest as much into the book. Now, the second portion is everything that has to do with design. The first thing is you get an interior design uh, into pre- – your interior design is set into a preset template. Now, you don't get that with the normal InkShares thing because they do it custom, which is the next point. Uh, and basically – and this this is where you see that the, the sort of the, the, the difference between the two systems. Quill is very much structured so that they don't have to invest too many people and too many man hours, which is really what costs a lot into right. the process. So it's all about pre-made templates that are easy to use and pre-created elements. So that way they don't need a dedicated production editor because all of this follows kind of a, a more manufactured uh, process than sort of a custom hands-on approach. So you, 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 don't, you, you get this template. You, you, well, your interior design is sent to this preset template. You don't get the custom interior design. You don't get a final proofread, but you do get a editorial proofread, which should technically be enough. Um, you get your, your book gets converted into an ebook, obviously, because it's going to be distributed that way. However, you don't get cover design and you don't get the back cover and spine design. So that is probably left up to you to figure out. Yeah, that's something you're going to have to, uh, I mean, if if I was, um, if I had hit the uh, quill goal for a future book or something, that's that's where I'd put some money into the cover design and maybe the back cover and spine. Someone to design that whole thing for me um, because, you know, you don't judge a book by its cover except, you know, everybody you do. does. You know? Exactly. So, uh, and as far as far as printing is concerned, you know, it, it's going to be print on demand through Amazon, I believe, right? Through Amazon, um, cr- uh, creates no. What is it? Print. It's not create. It is print on demand through Amazon. Well, Amazon, Amazon's cre- uh, print on create demand. Space, exactly. Right? Amazon's pr- uh, print on demand sort of company is uh, Create Space, which they bought years ago, and they're they're the ones who do the uh, the, the PODs. And but you'll get the Quill logo um, if you're in the Quill. Uh, tier, um, but um, the difference between the ink shares is that they do an offset print run with the ink shares logo for the upper ink shares tier. Uh, now, what's interesting about that is that there is an advantage of being on print on demand. This print on demand never runs out of stock. Your first print is your only print, and it's eternal and forever. Meanwhile, uh, with ink share, an offset print run means that. They do, they do a, uh, an initial print run, I think, normally of a minimum of 1,500 copies. But after that, if they get more orders over, over that, they need to reinvest into a second print run or a third print run, and all depending on your sales. So that has a layer of management that goes a bit above uh, the print-on-demand because print-on-demand is all going to be handled by Amazon. It's all create space. Like the order comes in and gets printed there and gets shipped from there. So it's very hands-off for InkShare, which is one of the ways that they can do this kind of service because, again, they don't have to put in all the man hours. Just to go back a bit on the cover design, it's unfortunate because of the importance of how a cover, a proper cover design can have such an impact on a book's sales, a book's popularity. And, I mean, I can do... a 
sort of cover design. A few people like like Kara can clearly do her own cover design, but for those people who are don't have those resources, don't know someone, this is going to be a huge stumbling block. Now, right, yeah, there's a lot of potential there to uh, misstep. Exactly. You know? There's certain services that maybe it, and th- this is one of those things that I'd love to uh, to maybe talk to to, to someone from Inkshare. Maybe I'll, I'll I'll reach out to Jeremy or Matt about creating something on the in- on the Quill Collection page, uh, a resource on where uh, people who get published by Quill can can go look for cheap but efficient ways of getting a proper cover design done because it, it's some it's it's too crucial to be just left to the author without at least pointing them to to certain directions well you know i would think that they i would think that they would because uh you know having their um stamp of approval and their logo right on the uh book you would think that they would want something that didn't look like uh, you know, it was copied, pasted from, you know, websites and, you know, no, and, and there, um, there's, just there's look a, there's, jumbled and messy, you know. And, there's a lot of things also that necessitate a certain degree of care as to not, like, Inkshare doesn't want to inadvertently publish a book with a cover that doesn't have licensed art, licensed artwork yeah, or photography. Exactly. So there, there's, there's a certain layer to that that I'm sure Inkshare has thought about but should – and, and probably will, but should be better expressed to the people who who end up publishing on uh, through Quill. So the, yes, the, and Monkey Business, for example, um, the cover on Monkey Business is really neat looking, but we don't know anything about the cover. I mean, he could have just found that image through some clip art or something, you know. And in in order to facilitate that uh, cover design in the in the most legal way. You know, you're going to have to take a look at that and figure out, can you use it? And if you can, or if you can, you know, pay for the rights or something, um, then you might be able to get away with doing it that way. But again, um, that's something I think that, like you said, they haven't thought, they probably have thought about initially, but at this point, with only one book in the pipeline, they probably haven't put a lot of thought into it at Inkshares. Well, and, and we we know they've been. This is something that they've been mulling about for like over a month. So I, oh, yeah, I'm definitely. I'm pretty sure it's something that has come up. I I know they they have an inter a lawyer internally that they. I don't know if it's their his full time or they just deal with him, but they do Adam, communicate. I I think so. I and met we, him when I was when I was in San Francisco. He was a, a nice guy. Yeah, you mentioned that he was different. Uh, <laughs> he was he was a nice guy though. I mean, uh, he 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 uh, pointed my wife and I out to some really cool places to check out. So, but that's the thing. Like, uh, c- clearly they have the resources, they have the know how to have looked into that, and I'm I'm pretty sure they have. Is just since they've only just announced this, so obviously maybe not everything's online yet. But having a, a proper resource for how authors can handle their cover is important. Now the the next uh, leg is the whole distribution, which is also a big deal but isn't i mean you're not missing out too much by being on quill now no as a matter of fact let's just uh let's just start with the things that are the same for both isbn Um, creation i'm canadian so i get isbns for free so i don't care but for you americans who pay 125 (laughs) bucks for per isbn that's that's a pretty good that's a pretty big deal yeah, that is a pretty big deal. So um, what you do is the money you save from not having to buy an ISBN, you hire a designer for your cover with. That's right. That's a, that's actually a really good idea, honestly. That's a really good idea. 
Um, also, another thing that's the same for both Quill and Inkshares um, publishing tiers is uh, obviously they're going to do the f- fulfillment to the backers. So if you get your like uh, monkey business 255 backers um, or 255 pre-orders, they're going to get those pre-orders out to those people. So create space. Uh, see, I'm not familiar with. I have never used the um, uh, the uh, print on demand. Um, on Life engineered Amazon. was actually uh, published on uh, on Create Space first. It spent a good six months on Create Space before being moved to Inkshare. And uh, so you were happy with that? I mean, you were. I mean, it, your it's, experience with Create Space. How was that? It's it's a very good service. It does well. It's like a lot of these services. It behooves the author to push his book himself. It's not because you put something on CreateSpace that, oh, it's on Amazon. It's going to sell. Actually, yeah, it does just sell by being on Amazon. Like, I average <laughs> maybe a copy a day for Life Engineered. But a copy a it's day is... No, it's, it's not bad, but it's not good. Uh, when I put it for free for three days, I would, like, give out about a thousand copies, but that's an entirely different story. Um... That being said, like it's it's a good service because they handle pretty much everything. Once once the book is set up with the cover and the the ISBN and the the registration number for Amazon and all those that stuff, once that's all set up on its own, you don't need to monitor it. It just does its own thing. So you don't have to package book. You don't have to look into who's ordering. Everything happens on its own. You don't have to manage stocks since it's print on demand. Everything gets printed when it gets ordered. So it, it's it's a good service in that sense. Oh, that's cool. Actually, I, I'm like I said, I have never I've never used it personally, so I didn't know. But um, you're also going to get um, in both tiers. You're going to get digital digital distribution through Ingram to all major ebook retailers, which is very cool because Ingram is is big, you know. So and it's, it's not just that. What's what's the big deal about this is that let's say when I when I um, when I decided put to put uh, Life Engineered on CreateSpace and I put it on Amazon, I limited it to these to debt that ecosystem because I wanted to be able to use uh, to, to use some of the promotional tools that are sort of limited to Amazon. But if I would have wanted to use other ebook resellers, I would have hit maybe four or five of them before getting really tired of setting up accounts and preparing documents and then monitoring everything. Having to do this myself as like to self-publishing means that a good portion of my job becomes administrative. Having it go through Ingram, they handle it. They give it to their people. Their people are experienced in doing it. They know how to handle these things. They have their own accounts. They probably have an account that's an Inkshare account with all these different resellers. So you're hitting a lot more ebook resellers that you pr- probably could or would individually because you're going through Ingram. It's only going to be good for you. I mean, you know, because there's no way that uh, Ingram is. Well, I mean, it's a it's a big name because they sell a lot of these things, you know. So uh, that's a definitely a plus, definitely a plus. And you'll also get your physical. You can get your physical copies from Amazon or from Inkshares in both uh, tiers as well. And um, that this is kind of an interesting one. I, I think I think this is an interesting one. You can get your physical books. Um, physical books, sorry, are available to order from physical bookstores through Ingram. So if you want to uh, purchase, like, let's say, Monkey Business, uh, you could walk into a Barnes & Noble and say, hey, listen, I'm I'm looking for this book, Monkey Business. I've heard of it. I want to get a copy of it. They can actually order a physical copy for you 
um, in theory, at least, uh, I would think. No, absolutely. And the, the way the way it happens is that basically Ingram orders it from Amazon and then sends it to the bookstore. Yeah, and the thing is, is you're you're with the you, with the Quill, you won't have a book in the actual bookstore, but it'll be in the Ingram catalog, which is really cool. So it could be ordered, you know. Yeah, and, and the, the the thing is, it's. It's not impossible that it would be on shelf. It's just Ingram and Inkshare won't push for it to be on shelf. And since it's print-on-demand, it means that the bookstore must themselves decide we want to put this on a shelf and order it from Ingram to print-on-demand and put on shelves. So it's unlikely unless you know, unless you have a following locally and you have a lot of people pre-ordering it. They might decide to keep one on the shelves because of that. So it, it's not impossible. It's just not what's being pushed as a product. Okay, so um, there's a couple in this distribution area that are not uh, both collection or both tiers. So you want right. to check out this? Well, the uh, basically one of the things that they don't do is uh, that they do for Quill is that they will ship the books to the author to sign for the backers. When they see that the, fu- the fulfillment to backers, one of the things they do is that they'll ship you the books as the, 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 the author. You sign all the books and you send them back to Inkshare so that they can then send them to the, uh, to, 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 to the, the, the backers so they have a signed copy. Because that seems to be, and I completely agree, the, the big selling point of pre-ordering it is having signed copies something that links you directly to the author that you've backed and that you've supported. So that that's a huge deal. Now this is the, this is interesting to me because I, I would think, and I don't know, but I would think that that would cost a lot of money because let's imagine that you needed to sign two hundred and fifty five books like um, Landon did does for uh, Monkey Business. Um, I would think shipping two hundred and fifty five books to wherever he is. Uh, it's going to cost a lot of money. I do not want to contemplate what the log- logistics of that are, but I I do worry that it's something that would cost a lot. One of the things, and ag- again, this is kind of stuff that I I would have to look into, but probably since this is printed on demand again, what Inkshares probably does, they don't order the books for themselves. They order them and have them shipped directly to your place through Amazon. And... With Amazon, with that volume, it may be free shipping. Well, that, so that's a possibility. I don't like. I'd have to look into it specifically. That is a possibility, but then it. it, it but then you have to ship it yeah. back to Ink Shares, and then they have to ship individual copies to the backers. Or do you have to ship them to the backers yourself? Because again, you're looking. I mean, that that's something that I would think that Ink Shares would have thought about and f- try to figure out the logistics for. But you know, if they have, they have not made well, us. I'm, you know, I'm aware. Com- I'm confident that if they're putting it out there, they've worked out the logistics on their side. But like you say, they haven't made it transparent to us. Then again, we don't work for Inkshares, so no. technically none of our business, but we are very curious. Yeah, we are very curious. And, you know, this is not an official Inkshares podcast, but we do have their blessings, which is really cool, you know. So um, what did, yes. what did uh, I forget what Matt said. It was, uh, oh, I can't remember. He said something like... Um, I, li- I like having their blessing. Yeah, that's good. good. That's fine. <laughs> so... Another thing is 
and I'm, I'm actually the next thing I'm going to keep for last because I want to talk about this at a bit more length. Okay. Um, one of the things that you don't get also uh, under the Quill imprint is Ingram's uh, Salesforce will actively sell your books into hundred of physical bookstores. You don't get that because since it's, it's print on demand, it's not profitable to push it into physical bookstores. Basically, you want it more to to reside on the on the internet so that people can order print on demand as it as it were since there's no stock to uh, to to liquidate at bookstores it's a bit harder to uh to, to promote it that way now the last one is that you don't get for quill but i want to address it and i don't know if i've addressed it here but i want to address it again if i haven't because i think it's kind of important for especially for authors to understand this one the inkshare published books get an author trip to San Francisco to sign backer copies. One thing I want to make very clear, because one of the things that seemed, it, this, this sounds cool. It sounds kind of like a prize. And I'm sure that Inkshares will, will make the trip as pleasant as they can. But from my understanding of this trip is they fly you in for a day, you sign at least 750 copies of your book, have lunch with Inkshare staff, hang out, stay a night, and go home. They're flying you in to work. Yes. Yes, they are. 750 copies of a book is a lot of signing. I mean, a lot. It is, assuming you're doing, <laughs> assuming you're doing an eight-hour day, and you only have 750 copies, like you just broke even, you, you slid under like the finish line, skin of your teeth, only 750 copies, and you're doing an eight-hour day of work, you're going, to do, you're going to be signing almost 100 copies an hour. That can get very tiring very fast. Yes. And I that's mean, assuming that you're going for just a very tight one-hour lunch, which is unlikely. If they're taking out, you out to lunch, you'll probably be out to lunch for an hour and a half, two hours. So... And to San Francisco, I mean, they have some amazing places to eat. So, I mean, if they're if you're letting them choose, I'm sure they're going to choose something awesome. But if you you know if they're giving you a choice, then you know make sure you check out a lot of different things because there's everything you can think of. But my my whole point is that it's not a vacation trip. It's 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 going to be a work trip. So. Obviously, it's cool. It is super awesome. You're going to get to meet the people from Ming Shares. I've talked, you and I have both talked to like people like Matt and Jeremy and, and, and I did dealt with Avalon. And you've, you've been there. And I mean, yeah. it sounds cool. But, and obviously, you'll have your evening. You, if you, you're staying, like you take a, a later flight the next day, you'll have maybe half a day to, to hang out and visit, the, visit San Francisco. But for, for the people that see this and say, oh, I'm what, I'm pre-ordering a book so that you can have a trip to San Francisco? No, my friend. You're pre-ordering a book so that I can go work for a day in San Francisco and then haul my derriere back here. Now, for people who live close to San Francisco and have like maybe an hour trip to go there, maybe it's smoother. But if I have to go to San Francisco to, sev- to, to sign copies, that's a six-hour flight to go and another six-hour flight to come back. It's going to cost me. Yeah. Also, I have to go during the work week. So it's a vacation day I need to take. Yes. So, you know, I agree. I mean, it's like it looks it looks 
like a prize on the surface. I think that was the best way you could put it. You know, exactly. It's it's I would say it's a double edged sword. It's got some really cool aspects to it, but it is still a work trip. And I I want this. It, it's important for the, both the writers to understand that that they're not going there just a vacation. But it's also important for the readers to understand that that they're not buying you a trip to sunny California to hang out. That. Thing that, that 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 particular bullet point on the list of what happens when you get published is is not winning a prize. Winning the prize is getting your book published and having the, the feedback and the encouragement and the, the visibility that goes with that. That's the prize. This is work. And you know, it still is going to be cool though. <laughs> if you've never been to San Francisco, oh no, absolutely, it's still going to be really neat. But it is it's definitely work. You're going to be sitting in there. I would imagine you're sitting in their offices downstairs and you're just at a table with books, and you're just signing all day long, and you know your hand will hurt, and you know depending on if you pre if you pre sell I don't know a thousand or or you know twelve hundred you know you're gonna be there for a long time. It's going to be a very long day, and exactly. you will and if, be tired. If you don't if you don't know what seven hundred fifty books it looks like, it's like a palette of books. It's a huge amount. So just you know, anyways. So the next thing, the next category <laughs> is marketing. Uh, marketing, obviously, you get a lot more if you're on the Inkshare platform. Oh, yeah. There's only two things that you get when you're in the Quill Collection. You're Obviously, you're being featured as part of the Quill Collection on Inkshares. And I want to emphasize that that is actually kind of cool because as opposed to, um, like I said, there, there are other publishers, traditional publishers, when they have a first-time author, sometimes will brag about that because it is a selling point. It's, it's a way to get on that bandwagon with that particular author early. And the Quill Collection is the same thing. It's, it's basically Inkshare's way of saying, hey, check out this new guy or check out this, this, this new product, this new brand. And ha- having it highlighted and not just like oh yeah we're publishing this but me whatever we're not mentioning anything special about it is actually uh, is actually kind of a big deal well you know just um if you take your own book life engineer for example it's part of the sword and laser collection which really uh makes it stand out but really it really isn't what am i trying to say here it's not something that is well i'm not going to say it's not special that's not what i'm trying to say here but i'm just trying to say that like it is something to help it stand out like for example i was uh ageless was one of the winners of the contest however i'm not going to be part of the collection and ageless is not going to be given a special badge like you have a special badge is that correct on your book yeah. yes yeah, we, we, with the sword and laser logo yeah which which is really cool because it's as very... a huge fan of sword and laser it's to, to me it's 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 almost a badge of honor for me and, to be part of that collection and that's what it is and being part of a collection is like you said a little bit more visibility like i'm ageless is not going to be a part of a collection at all so the quill collection or the sword and laser collection or any other collection at least not currently um but because that you're going to be part of a special um, collection, even if it is the lower tier collection, you will have a little bit more of a, um, uh, a visibility if you want to, if you want to put it that way, you know, because you're, you're in this special section and, uh, it's kind of like, um, I don't know. It's kind of like, um, if you think like all the candy at a, at a convenience store is on the candy aisle, but then there's an end cap with some extra candy, which is kind of the same candy, but 
it kind of makes it a little bit more special. Does that make sense? That's a, maybe not. The not. Best. I'm not sure, but you had me at candy. <laughs> there you go. So, so the the, the next thing is that's uh, exclusive to uh, to the Quill Collection is a marketing consultation with an Inkshares marketing manager, Matt. Maybe I don't know what Avalon, this looks maybe? like. Um, I don't know if it's Avalon's marketing, but what this looks like to me is basically since the rest basically. Inkshares won't do any of your marketing for you. They, they won't. Like it's mentioned before, the, uh, the, the, the people from Ingram will not actively sell your book physically. Basically, what this gives you is a chance to have someone coach you on how to market your book yourself and gives you tips and places to go to, you know, to, to be able to promote your book, to, to get those extra sales. So this, I, I, one of the, this is going to be one of the most invaluable tools. The only thing that's kind of a quote-unquote problem is, and obviously the, the, the marketing manager is partially responsible for that, but it does put the onus on the author to, A, ask the right questions and take the correct notes during that meeting, but then afterwards to apply these things actively. Yes, and those things are actually hard to do, especially when you don't know what the right questions are. Yeah, and one of the things, and this is going to sound kind of stupid because I'm actually, I wish I had, I, I wish this bullet point was on both the Quill Collection and the Ink Shares because I think that's something that I would benefit from and that a lot of other authors that hit the 750 would 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 benefit from because we don't all know how to promote ourselves even though we maybe we did get more pre-sales a lot of it's luck yeah a lot of it's luck and begging really is yeah a lot of begging uh, so, uh, you're a mar- you're in marketing though so but i yeah, mean i guess it's different yeah. types of marketing so the, the, the thing is there's a there's a difference between marketing and sales right and i can market I can market and promote someone else's product really well, actually. I can probably give me, like, your book, and I can probably promote it better than mine a lot because I don't – I'm cool. a lot more restrained. I'll get restrained. that to you when we're done here. I'll get it to you. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually considering offering that to a couple of people. Oh, cool. Neat. Because the thing is I am not as clever. Like, I have a lot of sort of psychological – walls that keep me from being as innovative and as pushy with my own products as I would be with someone else's product. Now, I have to believe in the product I'm trying to push, and maybe that's like an issue for my therapist on how I don't believe in myself (laughs) enough, and I haven't had enough after-school specials to really find the magic in my heart, but... That's the point. <laughs> the point is, like, yes, I know marketing tricks. I know promotional tricks. I have a bit of sales training. I'm just not very good at promoting myself. And I, people give me a lot of crap about that. Like, you should. I know. I know. I objectively know. I just subjectively can't. So the other point is that you get winning shares that you don't get with Quill, just for transparency's sake. You get a promotional copy. Yeah, I did not you know get... that before this. By the way, did you know that? I didn't know that before this. Before no, I saw that's this. that's why I want to go through these things because even though we're supposed to be talking mostly about Quill, it this this is stuff that I either I did not research it enough, and it's actually the information is actually available, and I didn't find it. Yeah, me but this too. is the first time they're being that transparent about it, which is cool. Uh, you get an endorsement outreach, which I've already sort of started a bit. Really. What's that like? Yeah, because I don't know. 
not yet at least so so far it's mostly inkshare saying who do you think we should look we should look at for endorsement we oh, have a couple oh, of yeah. ideas ourselves but what do you, if you have anyone you want to add to the list go ahead i got gotcha. you in fact i did do that now that you're saying that i gave them that list early remember oh, we had to do well, that yeah, oh yeah we'll have to compare notes <laughs> yeah um you get some uh, some galleys which are pre-production copies pre-publication copies these are usually things that you, uh, you 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 will be sending, say, to reviewers and to uh, yeah. to other promotional outlets, and then you get a full marketing plan and assigned marketing manager, including outreach to print, online radio and TV media outlets, events, social media, email, and specialty sales opportunity. I have no idea what this is. I have I this has not yet been started, at least not interactively with me for life engineered so i'm really curious about that yeah that's uh you know i would think that that's going to be ramping up pretty soon for you because uh i initially remember seeing that they had like some kind of long-term plans at like the six month mark out from your from your um release and then the three month mark so i would think that pretty soon some things are going to get rolling for you i would think well, I think first of December is going to be my three month mark. Three month mark, so um, I'm I'm hoping that that's when it's going to get started. Um, but yeah, that uh, that pretty much covers all all of the uh, differences between the quill and the full ink shares, uh, the the two tiers that they have designed here. And there's actually uh, something that I found pretty interesting. Uh, we just got an email tonight, and by the time that this actually makes it out, it'll probably be a day or two um, old at this point. But they are actually starting as of <coughs> sorry, excuse me. Um, they're actually starting uh, this interesting thing to celebrate their one year of publishing their first book, which their first first full publication was *The Cat's Pajamas* by Daniel Wallace. Um, so. Uh, basically, it's going to be you, you buy one, get one free of certain books, although it, it doesn't necessarily say which books. It says buy any eligible physical book, um, physical published book on Inkshare. So I think that only limits it to the 17 that they currently have, which 17 is amazing. There's a lot of them there. Um, a lot of good. Some of them are really cool. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I was going through them and I went, I pre-ordered most of these. <laughs> Yeah, you know which one I really want to get because I've been hearing good things about, which I have not pre-ordered actually, is the body of Chris. That keeps popping up on uh, on Twitter through Inkshare, and it looks very interesting. Like it's it's one of those books that is more of an insight thing than it is. It, it's definitely not like a fiction thing. No, yeah, no. I, no. It's it, it looks very interesting. One that I did not order is Herb because um, that would be like the book itself wouldn't be, but the product that it uh, to, the ingredient the main ingredient of that cookbook is illegal where I live. Uh, yeah, it's definitely illegal <laughs> where I live too. Although it, I don't partake, so I I don't know, you know. So I would probably skip that book. Personally, although it has sold a lot here recently, but it did—it it just came out, right? Like it actually just had its debut, right? Yeah, very recently. And I, you know what? I think it's probably going to find a market like in Colorado. And there is something to be <laughs> there is something to be said about and like I I personally don't don't partake in the uh, in 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 the 
in, in the drugs, as they say. Uh, I have nothing against people who do, but it's just not something that I've really uh, experimented with. But the, the the thing is, like, if you don't mind mind altering the um, substances, the idea of being able to cook cannabis instead of smoking it, like. When I when I was in college, let's just say, uh, considering smells, I would have much preferred people eat their drugs than smoke them. Yes, I, I totally agree with that. Um, on, also, another one, and we're just kind of throwing ones out here, I guess. Uh, I'd like to read um, Slim and the Beast. I think that one looks interesting. I have not pre-ordered that one. So, yeah, there, even if there's only 17 books, and, and there's no... I. You know what? I will tweet about it once I get a proper answer, but I would be curious to see if it's only these 17 or if other books are, are included, like books that are already in production maybe. Right. But if, even if it's only these 17 books, there's still some really good ones. And, of, of course, there's Gary Wood's Abomination, which I've raved about, about in the past. It's a very, very good book. Yes. Yes, it is. So far it is. Again, so, that's the one that I read before, when I'm on my way to sleep. You know what I mean? So you uh, – I, I, ha- I had an announcement that I had you cut out of, uh, of the podcast last week. Yes. Is it is it going to be official this time, or will I be it cutting is, it, it out is again? Abs- <laughs> it, it is absolutely official. I'm only talking about it in the end, in like the off chance that I get told again. But here's the thing. like Now it's, it's actually on the website that we had talked about. Here's the thing, really? ladies and cool. gentlemen, uh, dear listeners. Um, this is not Inkshare related. It doesn't mean that I'm cutting ties with Inkshare at all. Like I still want to publish like all my books through Inkshares is that this this is not a book I can publish on Inkshare. Is actually I have um, I've, I've I can now announce that I have been uh, asked and to participate in uh, the Ed Green Book Group uh, Ed Ed Greenwood Group's uh, effort for something called Under Librum. Basically, if you don't know who Ed Greenwood is, he's the creator of I think Forgotten Realms which is a uh, probably one of the biggest, most important settings for Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, Ed Greenwood is, is an author, a game designer, and a, uh, a very prolific author. And he's recently decided that he wanted to create what is probably one of the most insane and ambitious uh, creative project I have laid my eyes on from an author. He's basically assembled a... I should say a, a crowd of writers and artists, and a few musicians and, and cosplayers to work on a bunch of worlds, a series of worlds that he's created. He's created 15 different settings, all ranging from sci-fi, fantasy, high, uh, epic fantasy, hard sci-fi, horror, and all these things. And he's invited, he's himself is writing in all of these settings but he's invited other writers to participate too and i don't know exactly why well i i know i know what the process is i got referred by my my, my cover designer said you should totally ask if you can join this and i did what i don't I'm, I'm very grateful and honored but still a bit mystified as to why i was accepted and hey, i was asked that is awesome to, man it is super motivating because I'm, I'm currently working on the first book. So I'll give you all the information that you need to. So if you go to the website under Librum, which is O N D E R L I B R U M.com, you will be basically on the, the, the landing page for this, this massive undertaking. Uh, on, uh, 
basically on, on Halloween, on October 31st, they launched the first setting, which is called Helma, which is a, a setting about um, demons basically invading our world. It's a horror setting. And the first book came out. For, uh, it's written by Ed Greenwood himself. The cover is by my cover designer, uh, Eric Belil, which is the art director for the setting and a few others. And it's just gorgeous art, of course, because Eric is just sickeningly. Is he going to do yours, too? I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work, but I if, okay. if I was just curious. <laughs> if there's any way I can lobby to have Eric do all my covers forever, I will. Yeah, because his I, I just love his work. Oh, he does amazing work. I think your cover is amazing for um, so, the Life Engineer. So happy, so happy with it. And so, I'll be honest with you, I think your cover for uh, God in the Shed is really good too. I like it. Well, that one I made myself. So if if it does get picked up, I will be uh, just will take be the compliments, con- sir. Just take the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> Fine, but I'm still probably going to get Eric to redo it. I'll, I'll pay him his full price. So basically, I'll be working. Uh, the first book I'm working on is for a setting called For Wolf and Empire, which is a it's a steampunk setting with werewolves, which is exciting. It's a historical fiction set in the uh, in the 19th century, mid 19th century, and there's a lot of intrigue, swashbuckling, and a, a touch of horror with the werewolves. So it, it's it's a lot of fun to work in. And the first book that uh, my book is going to be coming out, if I remember clearly, on June 30th of 2017. So I need to haul ass to get uh, to get my first draft done because there's a lot of back and forth to make sure that everything matches the setting and gets edited properly. And I was super honored to discover that it's going to be the second book of that setting to be published right after Ed Greenwood's book uh, that's called Fang and Blade that's going to be coming out on the 30th of April, 2017. Very cool. So that's super awesome. The second book I've been uh, contracted to to work on is for a setting called Under Deadly Stars, which is a hard sci-fi um set setting which is basically just far future and there's these suns are exploding and no one knows why and that's that's it's all cool stuff like there's aliens and imagine star star trek but with more um action more exploding stars more exploding stars which is (laughs) a big deal um, so uh, my book is going to be coming out much later. It's on June 30th, 2020. So I've got a bit of time for that one. That is awesome. Man. But I am, I'm super excited about this. This is, this, this is a huge undertaking by, by Mr. Greenwood. And I am massively honored to be a part of it. And I'm looking forward to see how it's going to, to evolve. But so far I, I, I've started reading the uh, first Helma book, the first book from the first setting. It's called Your World is Doomed, which is a great title because it's very dystopic. And it's so far, it's very good. It's very intriguing. In fact, I had not really checked out the other settings except for the ones I'm working on because when Mr. Greenwood uh, revised my application to the uh, to participate, instead of letting me shop, he said, write for these two. And at first I was a bit skeptical, but when I read the settings, I went, oh, no, he, he nailed it. He totally, got, he totally uh, nailed what I like to work on, and I was glad to work on those too. But now that I've read more about the Helmoth setting, I'm, I'm, I'm almost looking at the calendar to see if I can weasel myself a, a publication date in there nice. and ask to participate in that. That's awesome. So, yeah, it, it's, it's huge and it's super fun, and I'm, I'm glad to be finally allowed to talk about it a bit. How long have you been holding it in? Um, since midsummer. Really? Oh, wow. A long time then, huh? 
yeah, it's 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 been a while. It's it's been long enough that I've had in uh, the, the the necessary back and forth with Mr. Greenwood and with his uh, the other uh, the other creatives involved to uh, have my book uh, synopsises approved so that I can now work on them. That's very. But awesome. j- just just to put a few things into perspective, when I say that he's he's uh, he's gathered other artists, like he's got illustrators that are going to work like on interior art and cover art, people like Eric Billet. He's got a few podcasters that are going to be uh, to be working on obviously on some audio stuff. There's uh, he's got some obviously some friends are uh, game designers that are going to turn some of these settings into into games. Like prop makers are going to be making you know, costume pieces. It's 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 this huge thing. It's it's unfathomable how many branches of of artistic development are linked to that and how ambitious it is. Like in in a way, it's so large that you can't help but think that there's no way this can succeed. But it's also so so cool and ambitious that you want it to work out. So let me ask you this: um, How does this whole? How does it work? Does he write like? Um, does he come up with like a concept, like a basically like a a pitch idea, and then you develop it from there? It's the opposite. You the, the settings are already built, so there's a lot of information about how the settings work, who are the key characters, the key uh, the, the, the the what the geography is, and you pitch him a story. Okay. Um, once you're once you're sort of quote unquote in the in the gang. Um, you you pitch him a story and then he'll like tell you you know if it works out what works out if there's anything that needs to be changed and you sort of like go back and forth until he says okay yeah go with that write that that's really cool um that's a, it sounds really really cool really awesome like I'm jealous I'm very jealous there is every bone <laughs> in my body is jealous right now. The, the only problem with this, and this is something I'm going to address probably in more detail than, say, in a newsletter or a blog post, is that I have my own plans for my own things, and I'm limited in the amount of hours I can give every week to writing and working on books. So oh, I see. working on something for someone else's setting, even though it's super exciting and I'm, I'm glad to be doing it, means that I have to put some of my own stuff on hold. Now, if I didn't have a full-time job, I could do kind of both at the same time more comfortably, which right. I can't do right now. So baby steps towards being sort of more of a an, an independent writer that I don't like being able to be an author full-time. Once I get there, it'll be awesome. But until then, like I have to sort of like prioritize and move things around to be able to allow for these cool projects to happen. Uh oh, I'm sorry. I'm gonna have to sidetrack you. I saw something that appeals to me on here. There is audio novelizations. Yes, <laughs> that appeals to me. That appeals to me. I mean, I'm not saying that you should drop my name, but if my name happens to drop, you know, it'd be okay. <laughs> I I will uh, I will definitely look into that. I want to see like what's open what's still closed and oh yeah I'm, man i'm just kind of kidding around with you but uh no seriously though i mean it'd be really neat but um you know i understand what you're saying about the uh the time thing and it's always the same thing with me too and i and i feel like i say this on every episode i have so much to do and no time to do it in and uh it's the way it is it's the nature of the beast but i'll be honest with you you are in a position from my point of view, that is amazing. Like you're getting this actual like work, 
you know, and I, I not not that you don't work as it is. I'm talking. I mean, you know, I mean, as far as writing is concerned, you're getting some actual writing work so you can get uh, more to add to your, you know, um, portfolio. You know, that's amazing. Exactly. Well, that's. I mean, we're running long light right now, so I don't want to get into it in too much detail. But that is something that maybe at some point I think we discussed it. You and I were uh, were guests. Well, you were a guest. I was a guest host on the Sci-Fi Geek Club. And we, yeah. I think we did talk a bit about how the importance of making yourself available and having available material as, as an author so that when opportunity arises, you're not caught you're, your pants down. You can respond to that, meaning that like w- when this opportunity ar- arose, I was in a position where I could say, Yes. Okay. I'm interested in that. Go, go to, to, I, I go to the, my, my Inkshare page and look at the book that's going to get published and, uh, go to this place and look at what I wrote for this. And basically having this kind of portfolio to already point to people. And when I went to CanCon, I think we talked about that last episode, the idea of having a book written that I could shop around, very important to be able to do that. And right, right now, actually, I don't have a book to shop around anymore. Because I, whatever happens with uh, God in the Shed is probably going to get published on Inkshares. I need to, <laughs> I need to finish writing what I'm writing for uh, for Under Limbrum, and then I need to write another book that I can I can shop around or at least have that that bullet in the barrel ready to fire if I need it. Then I got a sequel for Life Engineer. Right, like there's you need to always be working on your craft, not just to get better, but to have material. And but I, I like totally I said, this agree. is this is a super long subject that we could get in for oh, like another hour or so. We'll save that we're, for we're, another podcast. And we're pushing it an hour and forty minutes right now. Oh so. my gosh, really? So Paul <laughs> <laughs> Where can people reach you on the internet if they want to continue this discussion with you? Well, you can um you can connect with me on Twitter at Paul Inman S C that is P A U L I N M A N, the letters S and C. Um, and you could uh, go over to my website, paulinmansc.com, P-A-U-L-I-N-M-A-N-S-C.com, and check out some stuff over there, which I need to do a little bit of um, housekeeping. So um, add some stuff like uh, the podcast um, from the, uh, oh man, I just blanked. What did you just say? You know, that we were on the other night. Um, Galactic oh, the uh, Sci-Fi, Sci-Fi yes, Geeks Club. Yes, the, yes, Sci-Fi Geeks Club. i got to add that so you can find somewhere to listen to that because it was a lot of fun, honestly. Did you have fun? I had fun. It was cool. It was a good time. But, it's a good um, show. It's fun. It is. I, I've watched it. Uh, well, honestly, when I saw that you were going to be on it, I've watched it a few times since then. I like it. It's uh, enjoyable. Um, and I say watched it because I usually watch it on YouTube when, I'm, when I catch it. So anyway, um, you can also go over to inkshares.com and you can search for Ageless. And uh, maybe possibly think about pre-ordering if you have not. And uh, yeah, so where can we um, see your internet self, Mr. Dubo? Just you can find me on Twitter at JF Dubo. That's at J-F-D-U-B-E-A-U. Or you can go to my website. At, that's jfdubo.com slash books. And you should be able to find everything that's relevant or important about what I do book-wise right there. And that does that also include the news um, for the wolf? Not yet. Wolf I need to. I need to update all that information, add links. I've. I've only. I only yesterday realized that I could finally talk about it. So I, I need oh, to okay. start 
sending. I need to send a newsletter. I, I, I got work. I, work, work. It's always work, Paul. It's always. You, you don't have to tell me. It's always work. It's good work, so, though. It's good work. And uh, all right, yeah, and I, I need to get to it actually. So I that will be all for this week. Thank you for listening and tune in next uh, next episode. Uh, we will be talking about more books, and we might have we, we, we might have a cool subject. Mm-hmm.